Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. I love this church. Uh, means means I love you. You know, I love this family of believers, uh, and it's a joy to be together this morning. Great to get some of the new day buzz off the back of it. Uh, yeah, so amazing what God has been doing this week, um, and excited yeah to have Grace Youth with us. Uh, stick your hand kind of on a different note. Hand in the air if you've got a pet, if you are a pet owner. Oh, not many. And some very proud pet owners, one maybe. Um, not too many. My hands are very firmly not in the air. It is, that is not happening in our household, I don't think, and our kids are very aware of that. Uh, that is the fact of it. Who, who doesn't have a pet but would quite like one? Oh, just, one, yeah, so it's a little smattering of hands. This is the best one, though. This is the best question. Who has a pet but wishes they didn't? I think there's more of them than there are who don't but do want one. Um, the biggest appeal to me of getting a pet is to get a dog. I love the idea of going for a walk every day. I love like that the dog, walk, dog walkers kind of have that responsibility, duty of doing that. Um, so I kind of think, oh, I'd be nice. I'm not motivated enough to do that without a dog. So maybe if I get the dog, that would be the thing that will motivate me, kind of that duty of care to do it, and it will make it happen. And I kind of raise that because it highlights an interesting interplay, I think, between duty and joy. So doing something because we should do it, it is why we should do it, and doing something because we, we really want to, out of just joy uh, and desire to do it. Um, so when a dog walker takes a dog for a walk, is it because they've got this duty of care, certainly the ones who have the pet but don't want one, I'm assuming that's you, if you've got a dog, because uh, you have that duty of care and it's the right thing to do, or is it because you love your dog and you want to do that for your dog? But you can apply it to all sorts of things, uh, your, your friends, do you, do you send them a happy birthday text because that's what good friends do, out of a sense of duty, or do you, because it, do, you do that because you really want to? Uh, and if, if, which is the case with me, if someone else is telling you you really should send a text to your friend, you kind of know, well, that's our duty, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that if I'm getting chased on it. Uh, certainly, that to go much deeper with it, the question, do you follow God or, or, or not follow God? Do you live your life for God because it is right or because you want to? Is, is it duty or joy and it's an interesting and important question to ask and I actually personally kind of over the years have been around the houses on this one as as I'll explain as I go through. We've been looking uh, at, we're going to be looking at a few parables over the course of the summer here at, at Grace Church which parables are stories that Jesus told, he made them up, these made up stories uh, that tend to have one main point to them. Jesus tells a story to make this point. And often they are quite simple and yet also very deep and profound at the very same time. So they're quite understandable but profound implications. Some of them are short, some of them are quite long. This morning we're going to be looking at Luke 17, 7 to 10. If you've got a Bible then do, do turn there. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. This is a, it's quite a short one, a short parable and with a really fairly simple point um, as as we'll see, the point is quite simple, but it has some more profound implications, especially when we read it in, in, the rest, uh, in light of the rest of Scripture. 
So I'll put these verses up on the screen. Luke 17, verse 7. Jesus is telling these, uh, this, this parable. He says, suppose, he's talking to his disciples. He says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did, did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are, only, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now that parable can seem offensive at moments to, to our modern minds. And you think, well, yeah, you should invite them to sit down. But it's clearly not the point being made there. Uh, and we can, we can think, kind of, who does this guy think he is? Who does the master think he is? And I, we can get bogged down in the minor details of the story uh, and, and the cultural differences between then and now and, and end up missing the point, which is fairly simple. That, that this, it's, like, it's the equivalent of a kind of a barista at Harrison Hall or wherever, whatever your coffee shop of choice is, doing their day's worth of work and then at the end of the day saying to their boss, can I have extra pay because I did my whole day's worth of work? And so, well, now that you, you, you do your day's worth of work to get your pay, not to, you want to get more pay than you do beyond that. Uh, there's no extra benefits for doing your duty. So the simple point is, a servant should serve. A servant should serve. That is their duty. Verse 10 sums it up. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Job done then. Right, so that answers the question. Duty is the right answer. I'll put it up on the screen to make it really official. Jesus says, serve God because that is the right thing to do. That's it. That, that is the point of the parable. Now that's it. Go and live for God. Do your duty. Have a great week. God bless. Thanks for coming. I know some of you are like, oh, I know he's making a point, but still I'll take that if I'm allowed to go. Not, not exactly, no. The, the point is simple, and that really is the point. I'm not caricaturing. That really is what Jesus is saying. Serve God because that's the right thing to do. But the implications of that are less straightforward. So we need to think it through, weigh it with the rest of what the Bible says. Now that might totally fit with what you think Christianity is. That that is, Christians basically believe the Bible teaches, if you want to get into heaven, then you need to work hard and serve God to earn it, to, to, to get your way into heaven. And I can see how... Many people think that. You might, you might think that of Christianity. The problem is that is totally not what the Bible teaches. It's not what Jesus teaches. It's not what Christians believe. Probably one way to kind of illustrate this. One, probably the most famous parable that Jesus told was the parable of the two sons or the prodigal son, the lost son, very, various different names. Uh, in that parable, many of you know it, that the father has two sons, and one of the sons comes up to him and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I know you're not dead, but I want the money now, and I want to go and have a party and live it up. And the father graciously says, okay, here you go. And the son goes off and squanders it, has you know, a big 
party time, squanders the wealth away, eventually reaches a point, says, what am I doing here? And I, I've lost everything, and there are people serving in my father's household who have got more than I've got. I'll just go and be a servant for my dad. And he goes back, and the father welcomes him, embraces him, and welcomes him back into the family. Family doesn't make him uh, a servant, but embraces him as a son. And the other son looks on and is not happy with this. Because he thinks, I've done my duty. And then one son gets a party at the end. And which one is it? Is it the one who did his duty? No, it's the one who, who, who squandered it. That is Christianity. The New, New Testament is very clear. No one can earn their way to heaven by dutifully serving, by being that older brother. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't need to come and die, right? It's what we've been thinking about. If we could earn our way, Jesus wouldn't need to die. It is when we didn't deserve it, not when we did, it's when we didn't deserve it that Christ died for us. Romans 5, 7 to 8 very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might uh, possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not when we're fulfilling our duty that Christ died. It's when we're sinners. This is what we've heard. It's only when Jesus died did the curtain tear in two. That's the only moment. Oh, now we can know God, not because we can earn our way. That is the message of Christianity. And what a relief. <laughs> what good news that is. That it is not a case of us doing our duty to earn our way to heaven. And if it was, we all figure it out sooner or later. Well, I'm doomed. <laughs> if that is the case. You, you think, oh, I'll, I'll try and get my way. And then you realize you can't. We might think others might make it, but I'm never going to. The truth is, no one would be good enough. No one would ever get there. The beauty of the gospel is that we are never good enough, but also we are never too far off. We're never too far off to be brought back in because it's all about Jesus died, how Jesus died and saved us. So then, I don't know if you're following, so what of the parable then? The theme of duty in the Bible, which, which is definitely in the Bible. This is something, again, I, my journey, I kind of had to grapple with this. As I began to see that Christianity is about a relationship with a loving God, and the only way that we can have that is not by us kind of sorting ourselves out, but by his grace coming to us while we're sinful and atoning for our sin. So then how does this parable fit? Where does it fit with it all? One thing we need to kind of highlight is that Jesus is talking to his disciples in this parable. He's talking to people who already are following him. So we can think, oh, that's, there's, a, there's a way in. Maybe duty is not how you become a Christian or how you become a disciple, but once you're in, that's, that's the game. It is once you're saved, you're in. We should follow God because it's right, our duty. Or, or then should it be because of our joy? How does it work? I think it's easy for us to assume, this is where I got to, it's easy for us to assume that it is duty versus joy which is kind of the impression I've been giving up to now. They're, they're against each other. Whilst many in the, in the world think the answer is duty, we kind of know, oh no, it's not. There's no way we could do that. So the right answer is joy. We serve God because we want to. That's 
when we realize it's all about relationship, we do away with duty. And there's some good logic in that. This is true. God does not want us to miserably serve him because it's the right thing to do. He wants our hearts. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. And it's also true that joyful service honors God way more than dutiful service. That, that is true. I've told stories before. If a, if a husband comes home with a bunch of flowers for a wife and, and gives them to the wife, and the wife says, why have you done this? And they say, well, it's because it's what a good husband should do. So there you go. My, I'm doing my duty. He's like, oh, okay, well, thanks. Um, or, or if you say, I just love you so much. I just really wanted to do this. Which honors God more, right? Which honors the wife more? And it's the same with God. That is true. Love and joy honors more than duty. If you ever got annoyed when someone says, oh, you didn't have to. I find that a bit annoying. <laughs> you didn't have to. Well, I, what do you mean I didn't have to? Of course I don't have to. You think I did this because of some duty? I did this because I love you. I did this because I wanted to do this for you. Uh, it's that sense of, of having to do it. Joyful service does honor more, but we can take this too far, I think. And I have in the past. Because what about, so if it's, okay, it's, it's, it's joy then, what about when you really don't want to serve God or, or love your partner or whatever it is? But should you do it anyway? Because if, if it's all joy, then what about when you don't want to? Ultimately, it's a, it's a false dichotomy. It is not joy versus duty. They are, they are not in opposition to one another. Now, we can sometimes think they are. So what then? Are you following this? (laughs) I told you, around the houses. What what is it? Why should we follow God out of duty or joy? And this is is where I've really been getting to. This is why I think you should devote your life to following God. It is because Jesus is worthy of everything and he is worth giving everything for. Jesus is worthy of everything and he is worth giving everything for. It's both. He's worthy of everything. So therefore, it is right to follow him. He deserves it. It is right to do that. That that is dutiful. Also, he is worth giving your life for. It is the best thing you could do. It is the path and it is the source of the greatest joy, as we sang. Jesus, you are greater. Nothing like him. He is worth it. He's worth giving your life for. So it's better to think of it as a cycle rather than kind of a spectrum. So I've called this the joy-duty cycle. The joy-duty cycle. Psalm 1611 is, is one of the best kind of summaries of this. It says, you make known to me the path of life, God. God makes known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So on the one hand, it is the path of life. You get, it's not saying, this is one option. You want to take this path. This is one way to know life. It is the path to life. It's the thing you should do. And at the same time, it is where we will find true joy, eternal pleasures at the right hand of God. The Westminster Catechism, I've said it many times, starts with what is the chief end of man? 
What is the point of humans? What should they do? The answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy, glorify him, duty, and enjoy him, joy, forever. Our vision as a church starts, a vision to grow a healthy church that enjoys the grace of God. So in a sense, we have a duty, that's what we're going for, to do, to enjoy God's grace. They're not in, in opposition. It's not that we need to move away from happiness and serve God because that's right. Again, a lot of people think that today. You have to give up a life of pleasure and serve God. No, it's not even that we keep doing it. If we keep doing it out of duty, then we move further away from joy. Now, the truth is, the more we humbly serve God, the more we will love him and find joy in him. And the more that we love him, the more we will want to humbly and faithfully serve God. And the more we humbly and faithfully serve God, the more we love him. It is, it's a cycle. So I want a dog so that I might go on walks, right? It's the only motivation I have. I want that sense of duty. I am willing to bet if I did that, I would come to love the dog a bit. You see? You, you would come to build relationship over it. I love what Liv saying, just a testimony. Not, not healed. I was really expecting God to heal me. But you know what? I've just got to know God so well that even though he didn't, I still love him. I still, I still want to serve him. What a beautiful thing for someone to testify. That's real relationship, isn't it? It's a real relationship when, when you kind of, I, I know. It's kind of obvious. It's one reason why over the, I don't know, several decades really, marriage in the West has been pretty decimated because we've, we've lost this idea. People commit as long as it serves them. I will love you as long as I love you. <laughs> what? There's no commitment at all. Commitment is to say, I will love you even when I don't feel like it. That, that is relationship. And then, the more you choose love, the more you will want to serve and dutifully do. You, you, you will choose love out of a sense of duty and then you will love. It grows. It's a cycle. Jesus is worthy of everything and he is worth giving everything for. God is most, yeah, as I said, God is most glorified in us when we are joyfully serving him. I think that's true. That's the flowers story I told. God doesn't want you to miserably serve him. He wants you to serve him because it's, that's the part of flourishing life because he loves you and he wants your heart. But it's also true he's not only glorified when we serve him because we love him. So, that, you know, a good husband does get their wife flowers even when they don't feel like it. Jesus is worthy of everything. He's worth giving everything for. What does it mean then? So I'll start to apply this. I'll do this by raising some cautions that I think we should have over this. It's, it's generally true, but there are some things that we need to be cautious of as we apply this joy-duty cycle to our lives. Firstly, we will never finish our duty. I think this is a lot of what the, po- the point of the parable is saying. It is our duty to live for God. That is the right thing to do. And that, that can make God sound like some sadistic narcissist, right? You, you should serve me. You, you should do that. It's because Jesus is worthy of everything. It's appropriate. He, he deserves it. And also because, again, as we've heard, everything that we have comes from God. 
Everything you've got is, is a gift of God. Our life, the fact that we are alive, our breath, all the stuff we have, you think, well, well the money I've earned. No, God gave you the skills to, to get whatever money that you may have made. He's given you everything. He's given you all the knowledge that you have. And then on top of that, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, when we had rejected life. So he's given us, when we rejected him. So he's given us life. When we made a mess of that, he gave us new life in Jesus. As we give our lives, we will never get to the point where our duty is done and God is becoming indebted to us where we've fulfilled our duty and we can say to God right now, you, you fulfill your side of the bargain. In, in, it's like, I mean, it's hard, you can't quantify it, but say you've got a billion pound debt to someone and you give them a pound and you feel good about it. You're welcome. And Well, you're never going to get there. You're never going to fulfill it. To, be, to think that you are or to think that you're close to is is silly. It's another way of saying it's all about grace. Stop trying to pay him back. To just stop trying to serve him and, and earn it back. Just serve because of what he has done. So it is a cycle as well, This, but, but it does have to start with joy because that's relationship. It does have to start with joy. Otherwise, we will wonder when we've done enough. If we start, well, I'll serve faithfully. Okay, when have, I, when have I done it? When am I, when am I done? Works, save, serving God dutifully will never save you. It will never be enough. But when you're saved by grace, works inevitably follow. You will serve God when you are saved. Remembering that we will never finish our duty. Also, it prevents us from either pride or despair. So, we remember that we, we never get to that place of thinking, right, God, now you've, you've, I've done my bit. What are you going to do? And also we can't look down on others and think, I've done way more of my duty than other people. Or even kind of in the false humility, look up at others and think, oh, I'll never be like that. It helps us to stay away from pride and also from despair because God knows that we'll never pay it back. He's, he's okay with that. He knew in giving himself for you that it wasn't like, he wasn't waiting for you to, to get back. He is fine with it. So don't despair. The lost son got the party, right? He had a party. And the father knew. He wasn't saying, when you've paid me back, we'll have a party. He knows, the son knows, I'm never going to pay you back. And the father knows it too, and he welcomes him in with that mindset. Also, it's only when we realize that God can never be in our debt that we are able to enjoy him and not use him for some other thing that we might be able to gain outside of him. It's only when we realize I'm never going to fulfill and I'm not trying to use you to get something else. All I want, God, is you. I'm, I'm not trying to find some joy. It's only in your presence that there are pleasures forevermore. And I know that I'm not trying to use you to find joy in anything else. It's a liberating truth. In a way, it sounds heavy and harsh. We will never finish our duty. It is a liberating truth because God's fine with it. He knows it. 
get used to it. It is good news. The debt only grows as he gives and gives and gives. We only become more and more indebted. Second kind of pastoral caution, remember your love. It, it is a cycle, but I think sometimes you can kind of get stuck on it. Maybe a bit like stuck on a roller coaster, do you know what I mean? which I guess is a horrible experience, but, but you're just stuck. And you kind of, it is there. You're supposed to be going forward, but we get stuck. Actually, last week, uh, last Sunday morning, as we were singing this just at church, I, I felt a bit of a, a stir for this. I wasn't thinking about any of this. Um, I felt this stirring for particularly those who are a bit older to remember your love. Remember your first love. Those who have been a Christian a long time, maybe serving faithfully and dutifully, don't forget that God wants your heart. Some uh, verses I was drawn to last week, Revelation 2. Uh, Jesus is talking to a church in Ephesus, and he says, many of you will know these words, I know, you, I don't know, if I put, have I put it up or not? No, I haven't. Um, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. I think some, just, maybe you've been serving so faithfully. Don't, don't forget that God really wants your heart. He really wants relationship with you. It's, it's like kind of an old, dutiful husband who has been making cups of tea for his wife every morning, but maybe forgotten why he started doing it in the first place. He's just doing it. Yeah, it's good. It's good duty. It's a good thing to do. But don't forget, you've done it, doing it because you love your wife. Don't, don't forget your love as you, as you serve faithfully, as you serve dutifully. Be cautious of forgetting your love. God sees your faithful service. He honors it, but he wants your heart. Open it up to him. And then thirdly, remember your duty. Remember your love. But remember your duty. This, again, is, is much of the point of the parable do your duty. Live for God and trust him in everything and know that by doing that, God doesn't owe you anything because he has already given you everything. There are and there will be times in life when we don't want to do something, right? When joy is not forthcoming. When a longing to serve God is not obvious and forthcoming. And as I said, it's not well, therefore, I won't do it because I don't want to do it out of duty. No, no, no. Remember your duty. Do it anyway. God is so gracious. There is always, he always gives a reason, really, for why we should serve him. Because he's kind and gracious for why we should do what he tells us. So, for example, why should we care for the poor? Well, because he in his riches has seen us in our poverty and cared for us. Because he has cared for us. That's why Christians should care for the poor. Because he has cared for us in our poverty. Why should we give money? Because he has given everything. And he wants our hearts. And he knows that there's this profound link between our hearts and our money. And so he calls us to give of our money. So that we might be closer to him. Why should we only have sex if we're married? And only with the person we're married to? Well, because 
marriage and sex are this amazing picture that point to Christ and the church. And it is a picture of the beautiful union and the difference there is and that should be rejoiced in it. And this glorious exclusive union. Why should we read the Bible? Because it contains the words of life. There are so many reasons. God gives a reason. But God does reserve the right, like a parent, to say, because I said so. <laughs> why, why, why do it? And in, and in the nuts and the bolts of life, often it is that, our duty and our discipline, that we really need to rely on. So why read the Bible? Because well, you should. Because <laughs> you know you should. It's so good. Again, Tilly's talking about kind of coming back. I'm full of it. I know it. But what I'm desperate for is not to just to rely on the New Day buzz. I want to I be disciplined in reading my Bible. I want that. I want to keep knowing and reading about God in it. Why not sleep with your boyfriend? Because God tells you not to. <laughs> because he says so. The more we do what God says, it's the cycle, right? The more we do what God says, the more you will want to do what God says. The more you say, it takes a long time, right? Reading your Bible every morning or whatever it is, it takes a long amount of discipline to get there. You'll get to a place of like, I can't imagine going, you know, a day but a week without reading my Bible because I just love God. And, and I know this is a, a source to know him more. So why follow God? What is the kind of question you start with? What, what is our motivation? Whether you're a Christian or not, why do I think you should live for God? Simply because Jesus is worthy of everything. He, that is the appropriate thing for humankind to do, is to live for God. And I, you have a sense, whoever you are, you have a sense that, that rightness exists, that there is something that is right, and there's no explanation for that outside of God, for that moral desire. And the right thing to do is to live for the one who is worthy of everything. And why follow God? Because it is such a good idea. It's such a good thing to do. He is worth giving everything for. It is the only path to pleasures forevermore, to life and joy. It is the best thing you can do. In the parable uh, that we read, the, the, the servant, again, the point is, well, just, just do your duty. In the parable, the servant is not invited to dinner because that's the point that Jesus is making, and they have no right to eat there. There's, there's no sense that they have earned it. There's no right. That is the point. We need to, to grasp it. We do not deserve to dine with the master. However, in the gospel, an invitation to sit down and eat with the maker of heaven and earth is exactly what we get. It's exactly what we receive. We are invited to. The only way that we can dine with God is if he invites us in his grace. We're not earning our way there. It is by grace. Jesus tells another parable in, uh, in Luke 12, a few Chapters before, that other one, in the same, the same book. Luke 12, verse 35. Again, I'll put it up on the screen. He, he tells this parable. Maybe the band want to come up. We'll, we'll sing again in a moment. Luke 12, 35. 
He says, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them waiting when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Jesus has dressed himself to serve. The holy, righteous, one in whom all creation holds together has dressed himself to serve and wait on those who should be serving him. He, He did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Only because God did that can we enjoy God forever and find joy in his presence because he has waited on us.